The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Mox, here with Will Brinson, John Breach, and Brady Quinn. This is day two of the 2023 free agency show. Make sure you join us all week long to stay up to date with the free agent signings. Remember to like, comment, subscribe on our YouTube page. And for everyone listening to audio only, make sure that you download, follow, and leave a five-star review and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. Gentlemen, one, how are we doing? I mean, I'm ready for free agency to get here. I don't know how you guys feel, but my God, the whole – first off, the title of the past two days, the legal tampering period, like you're the NFL. You can't come up with a term that's not an oxymoron for being able to have these preliminary negotiations before the start of the new league year and free agency. I mean, my goodness, what are we doing? Like you're the NFL. You can't figure out a better term for this or just start free agency on Monday. Like why do we have to wait till 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday for free agency to start? And, and just to tack onto that, Brady, I agree with you completely. The NFL blatantly did this because there was like buzz around the league on Monday and Tuesday, but you couldn't, you had to like tread lightly and teams couldn't like, you know, the Giants can't sing out winky faces and stuff like that like on the Twitter account. And teams are, teams are paranoid. They're like, you know, like the Bears, we knew the Bears were doing something, but they'd have to say, they had to write a story on their website that was like, reportedly we were acquiring. It's like, it was so stupid. And the NFL realized that they would get crazy ratings. I almost said Bafo, but the last time I said Bafo, I like went into a, <laughs> a time warp on the on the podcast. Um, they 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 wanted people paying attention to the league on Monday and Tuesday. My biggest beef with all this is when those god dang teams release send out every press release at four o'clock on the nose on Wednesday, announcing it all. Your phone's just like sounds like a Brady Quinn football show. It's simple. Just switch it. Look, this is the NFL is the league that made the geniuses that decided wild card weekend was now super wild card weekend. So you just make free agent, regular free agency on Monday and super free agency 
starts on Wednesday. Boom, I just did the dirty work for you, NFL. I, I'm not for the super thing. It sounds like we're talking to a bunch of like five or six-year-olds. Like, hey, by the way, uh, we've got an extra team, an extra game in the wild card. But super, isn't it? Like, come on. We're, we're better than that. We can think of another we and, and it's like Andrew Siciliano. I mean, we're doing this show on a Tuesday, right? This is Tuesday night where we're doing this. We did one Monday night. Andrew Siciliano and the Rich Eisen are hosting on NFL Network and just like they don't even they, like they've thrown all caution to the wind in discussing these possible deals. Like that's the other reason they did it because they like they're just like, yeah, here's the deal. It's going to happen. Now guys can still legal notary tampering. That's right. Former notary tampering. I <laughs> <laughs> can still back out of these deals in theory until Wednesday, but I mean, it, well, the teams could too, right? Like we've all heard the he didn't pass a physical excuse and then the deal falls through. Like that's the other part of this is nothing is legitimate until the physicals are passed, the deals are actually signed. After 4 p.m. Eastern, I mean, we have seen some rare occasions and some uh, and some facts snafus uh, before in the past. That Elvis Superville, that was yeah. the franchise tag. God, that was amazing. I remember, God, I mean, that was one of, like, one of my favorite like bloggy stories. It was like John Elway f's up a fax machine, and so like the Broncos lose to Elvis Superville. I mean, it's unbelievable. Remember John Elway just sitting there being like, well, I don't know how to how to do that. I've won two Super Bowls. I can't figure out how to use the darn fax machine. You kidding me? This copier sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Two of these things are not like the other. Breach and I were not invited to the uh, Wine Tuesday. There, there are two people that are that have a cab tonight. Always an open uh, invitation for. Yeah. Hey, cheers to you, Brady Quinn. Yeah. Do you do you need an invitation? You have like a long stem glass. You're much more uh, classy than I am. I just have it in a normal glass. I actually, um, I I I would have it in a stemless glass, uh, but sort of broke it. Sort of broke the last stemless glass I had. Um, Speaking of something broken, before we get into winners and losers of day two, Aaron Rodgers reportedly gave the Jets a wish list of free agents to target and acquire that included Randall Cobb, OBJ, Alan Lazard, and Mercedes Lewis. Lewis, the Jets uh, are working to finalize a deal with Lazard. They're and reportedly Randall Cobb also. What do you guys think of what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now? Why are we surprised by this? He did the exact same thing when he kind of brought the scuttlebutt with the Green Bay Packers organization. He wanted to be a more part of the conversations in regards to their free agent signings and a part of the process. And that was you know, one of the many fractures that occurred between the Green Bay organization and Aaron Rodgers. So uh, the, the truth of the matter is, at his age, at his point in time in his career, he wants to have some familiarity. He wants to be in the locker room with guys he knows, guys he trusts out there on the field. I think he feels like that's a part of the transition that will help him feel confident as a player. It's not just the offense with Nathaniel Hackett. To be quite honest, I think the best thing about Aaron Rodgers going to play from Nathaniel Hackett is probably the fact that Rodgers is going to control everything in the line of scrimmage. And whatever play Hackett throws in there, Rodgers is probably going to change 50% of the time. So uh, that's probably the best thing in regards to the familiarity with the offense is Rodgers is going to be able to do that and knows that system uh, because he played it with him in Green Bay. But having Lazard, having Cobb, uh, that to me would be huge in regards to just feeling that sense of comfort when things break down or even knowing within that offense, hey, like these guys can show you how I want this route run and bringing along a guy who I think is going to be a stud and star already kind of is in Garrett Wilson. So uh, it makes all the sense in the world. I'm not really sure about the Mercedes Lewis. I know there's interest there from him and the Raiders, but outside of familiarity with Rodgers, you'd be thinking like you've already got a pretty good group of tight ends. I wouldn't want to add another guy who's probably not going to play many special teams outside of PAT and field goal um, just to be a blocking tight end for the most part. Um, the OBJ part of that request too, which was on that list. 
Someone explain <laughs> that to me. Breach or Brinson, someone explain how that makes any sense. I know the Packers tried to go after him previously or made it look like they did, but I don't get that one. He does like you you tell me you're in Green Bay for all that time and OBJ was on uh what uh, three different teams in that same span and available to be acquired via trade or signing a free agency at, at no point you're like leaking publicly that you wanted OBJ and now you're like I'm with the Jets and I want OBJ. It's a very weird that always feels like it may be like that could have come like even from OBJ's people. I don't want to speculate on that. Um I, I'm curious, Brady, what I mean, I'm just curious what your percentage on Rogers going to the Jets is at this point because oh. Hundred percent. I mean, he's going to announce tomorrow one p.m. on Pat McAfee's show, and he's, from what I've been told, he's got a lot to say. So uh, get your popcorn ready. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, are, you, are, you, are you suggesting that? And I mean, I feel like you. I mean, you're a former quarterback in the NFL. You and I t- talk off the podcast. You have you have good information. Um, <laughs> you think like? Are you suggesting that he might take a blowtorch to a certain wheel of cheese? <laughs> I don't, I mean, there's going to be some things said. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I don't want to try to speculate on exactly what he's going to say and how he's going to say it. He's always handled things with, with class, <clears throat> although he's also hasn't been afraid to share his beliefs, whatever that may be on the field, off the field. So I would just, uh, I would be excited to tune into that show because I, I think there's going to be a lot said uh, by Mr. Rogers at 1 p.m. Breach, do you think that we'll get Rogers like like actually saying I'm going to the like is he going to pull like a LeBron James? Remember, God, remember the the decision taking my talents. My God, that was like everyone was watching it and it came off so terrible. Like Jim Gray like taking my talents to South Beach. Uh, Breach, do you think yeah, that that blew up in his face and everyone literally in Cleveland hated LeBron James until he came back and won a title. And if he didn't win that title, everyone would still hate him. So I, I don't know if that's the route you go. I feel like it's going to turn out like last year where. Uh, Right before the start of free agency, he ended up signing the extension and it broke that morning, probably an hour before he went on Pat McAfee's show. And then that's all they talked about. So, I mean, it's hard to keep a trade a secret. So, you know, the Packers and the Jets have to hammer something out. And if they're literally, you know, can you imagine Jets general manager, Packers general manager, they're just sitting in front of their computer watching the Pat McAfee show because they don't even know if they can work out a trade until Roger says he's definitely going to play and he's willing to play for the Jets. So they have to wait for him to say, it. I mean, I would think he's going to give them some sort of confirmation before he goes on tomorrow, but also it's Aaron Rodgers. So who knows? Well, keep, keep in mind this guys too. If you're Rogers and you're trying to make sure an organization that you have no equity built within uh, is, is making the moves you want them to make. You don't get there and then make the request for Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and whoever else may be on that list or even consulting with them. You make sure some of those guys are signed, sealed, delivered, and it's done. So when you do sign, they're already there. And that way you're not creating any sort of friction. I think that's maybe a learning lesson from the past uh, being a part of the Green Bay Packers organization for so long where they really didn't uh, consult him at all. And, and I think one of the things I took from my time always speaking with Mark Murphy when we go up there for training camp uh, back before things started to get ugly was Mark Murphy always felt like no one was bigger than the Green Bay Packers organization. And, and I think the words by Aaron Rodgers when he said, hey, people come up here to play with me and, and be you know on, on my team, like that's, that's the draw, like I'm the draw here. I think that was like the beginning of the end Um, as far as at least how Mark Murphy saw the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers and how Aaron Rodgers viewed himself as a Green Bay Packer. Uh, But the reality is this, this deal's done. Uh, I believe he was going to be going to Jets uh, again, catch popcorn ready for 1 PM. Cobb will be, I I think a signing or an addition to the team. I'll be curious to see how many years Cobb signs for. Um, And I think if you're the Jets too, the last thing I'll just say is, 
they better get a pretty big commitment from him to be there at least two years. If you're signing on Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, these guys who are you know buddies or on his wish list, you better make sure that he's going to stay there for the duration of the, either the contract he's on now or something that they can restructure, maybe extend him a little bit. Yeah, I, that's a great point too. And the thing with like, if you if you I mean if you listen if you do this long enough, you can kind of hear the subtleties in the descriptions of some of these contracts in free agency. For instance, the Alan Lazard deal. Like I believe Mike Garofalo of NFL Media, or NFL Network, whatever you want to call it, was reporting it. Uh, Jordan Schultz, maybe of the score, had it first. But Garofalo was saying he kept he kept saying they're they're getting there. You know, like you could hear it where it was like this is a done deal. But the Jets are also like kind of playing it a little slow because they don't want to overcommit to Alan Lazard. And then Rodgers is like, psych! And like deuces out to, to retirement and ayahuasca and darkness chambers while like Alan Lazard. Because Gary Hall also, uh, Mike also pointed out that originally the Jets offered Lazard $9 million a year. And it, it like over the course of Aaron Rodgers not making a decision, this has gone up to $11 million a year. Who knows what Randall Cobb will get? It's like, I mean, Randall, the first NFL draft I ever covered, Randall Cobb was taken as a second round pick, and Rodgers has been getting him paid for like an extra five years. He's going to do it now. He's redundant unless the Packers trade Elijah Moore, but he wants to get it, he wants to get him money. And the same thing with um Mercedes Lewis if they end up signing him. So I, I think that's a great point, Brady, that they are Rodgers, like, look, <laughs> you've seen my list. You've seen my list of demands, my writer, so to speak. Um, I got all the time in the world. And it's <laughs> It's like Christmas, right, Breach? I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's Santa's wish list that you're hoping that he brings you on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah except Santa's wish list, except you're holding Santa hostage in your basement and tell him if he doesn't bring the presents, you're going to shoot him in the knee. So there is a slight little difference here. <laughs> that's what Aaron Rodgers is doing. The Jets don't have a choice anymore. Jimmy Garoppolo's off the market. Every backup they might think about signing is gone. It is Aaron Rodgers or bust at this point. So – uh, yeah, it does feel like it's kind of like Christmas. Mixed no, Matt in. Ryan. Matt Ryan just got released by the Colts. I mean, Matt Ryan. Uh, okay. All right. Let's. We're gonna get into this later in the show and talk about Packers fans. Well, let's talk about some winners of day two. The Cowboys uh, acquired Stefan Gilmore from the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2023 fifth round uh, comp- compensatory pick. Uh, what do you guys think of this uh, of the Cowboys? I can't speak today. Uh, yeah, commit story, man. Look, no one will, Thank no, you. one, I, you'll never hear me criticize anybody for mispronouncing <laughs> things. I can't even pronounce. Compensatory. Like, yeah, I mean, it's I, I can't even pronounce like the Giants' owners' names correctly for some reason. Uh, Mara, <laughs> Mara. Um, <laughs> see, exactly. Just yell it loudly. Um, I think it's, I think it's a good move by the by the Cowboys to get to get Stefan Gilmore. I I think that um, do we we'll talk about the Colts. I think we added them. Do we add them? If we added them to the losers list, we can get to them in a second. Um, but you know, yeah. the, the Dallas, Dallas needed, you know, Dallas didn't need to make moves. Like you don't always, you don't have to make moves in free agency. You want to be, it's, it's like, you know, we talked about the bears yesterday, right. And how the bears are winners because they went out and spent a bunch of money and got a bunch of players. It's very easy to be categorized as a winner in day one on free agency. If you just spend a, a crap ton of money. That doesn't necessarily mean you you made your team substantially better. I do think that Gilmore showed a, he's shown enough that he's still got a little bit in the tank. I don't think Brady that he's like necessarily an elite corner, but they they got him for peanuts. And you beef up your secondary, you improve that defense. They brought they signed later Leighton Vanderash, so it's like it's sort of like it's just sort of like second level signings in, in a trade here that I think uh, benefits Dallas. I, you know, I, I don't think they're like, you know, I don't think they are, you know, like oh well, now Dallas is the favorite to win the Super Bowl or anything, but it's you know, good moves. 
It's a good scheme fit. I mean, that's what you're looking for at this point in time. If you're a Dallas Cowboys team and you feel like uh, you should be at least in the running to not only make a playoff run, but try to win a Super Bowl, you need veteran guys who come in. They, they know the deal. They understand the scheme. They know how to operate within what Dan Quinn's looking for. Dan Quinn still primarily plays a bunch of post-single, you know, post-safety high. They'll play some man, but they'll play that kind of match zone. And when you got Diggs on one side, Gilmore on the other, it really fits as far as what he's looking to do. Those guys are primarily isolated uh, on the outside. So it allows you to play nine on, on the other nine and see if your front uh, front seven isn't better to stop the run and get after opposing quarterbacks uh, with remaining players. That's essentially what he likes to do. And, and Gilmore and Diggs will allow those guys to play that way. So I, I like the scheme fit for him. And to you said, it wasn't like they gave up the ton to get him. It's actually one of the better moves for the Dallas Cowboys, which I don't know how often we say that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never see the Cowboys pull off a trade like this, at least not recently. And as you guys said, they didn't give up much. This is a pick they didn't even have two months ago because it just got handed them when they handed out the compensatory picks, uh, as Katie mentioned. And the other thing, it wasn't just like they traded for Stephon Gilmore here. Uh, Resigning Donovan Wilson was a big thing for the Cowboys. This guy led the team in tackles last season. Uh, he works really well in that defense. And obviously, re-signing Leighton Vanderesh is a big part of what they did. So, I mean, the Cowboys were absolutely quiet on Monday, didn't do anything, and then, boom, they come out today and, and had a fantastic day from a defensive point of view. Uh, by the way, Katie, just so you feel better about mispronouncing anything, uh, as, I don't know if you heard me slide that in when Breach started talking. This is the all-time mispronunciation. Tyron Mathayu. <laughs> Speaking is hard. Daylight savings is kicking my butt too. I feel like I don't even know what my name is. But all right, guys, let's stay in the NFC East. Let's talk about the Eagles. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about them as being kind of losers. Today, a little bit better. They re-signed James Bradbury to a $38 million contract, including $20 million guaranteed, max value $44 million with incentives. And also Boston Scott agreed to a one-year $2 million contract. Are the Eagles winners today? I'm going to go and say they are, although it's kind of yet to be seen. I mean, look, Rashad Penny has just not been able to stay healthy. But that being said, dude, the average is, the guy averages almost six yards per carry. So uh, over the course of his career behind that offensive line, I'm really curious to see uh, what he can be. Boston Scott, you know, retaining him, being able to get him under contract. He seems to be a kind of little fire plug there in the backfield to add some depth. So uh, some some key pieces there. I think it signals to the fact that we're not going to see Miles Sanders back as a Philadelphia Eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradbury, I, I thought next to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was probably the most important piece to keep in the secondary. They obviously got one of the two pieces. Maybe they can still get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back, but they still got the, some work to do up front, obviously, as they lost Javon Hargrave to Katie Mox's San Francisco 49ers, which is a great get for them. Uh, obviously, TJ Edwards signed in Chicago, and we've got a bunch of other guys, too, who, who look to be moving on. But so far, I would say they're kind of making their way back around, which Howie Roseman does a good, as good of a job as anyone manipulating the cap and making trades and doing what he needs to do to build up this roster. Yeah, they had, I mean, you know, and by the way, the uh, the Cowboys also, uh, I don't know if we mentioned Donovan Wilson, they added him to uh, as, as well. But yeah, I mean, I think, look, I mean, obviously the Eagles being listed as a winner goes to show that Billy is producing this show because <laughs> we're in there. I think you could have even said the NFC East uh, generally was a winner on, on day two because you mm. could. You look at Darren Waller yeah. and, and the Giants picking yeah. him up. Um, Bradbury, you know, Eagles fans, <clears throat> Billy, are going to be all, you know, I can't believe he got called a final by the Super Bowl. That dude was really good for Philly. Like, he's a, he's been a really good cornerback basically his entire career and, and really underrated just in terms of um, how well he's played. And you, you look at these stats, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, um, 
by the way, shout out to our CBS Sports HQ uh, research team, our CBS Sports research team for compiling these and putting these graphics together. You know, first in the NFL in completion percentage against, yards attempt against, and passer rating against, minimum of 75 attempts. Like when he's the primary defender, I mean, this guy balls out. And Philly, you know, if like if they can add, if they can get Chauncey Gardner Johnson back, all of a sudden you feel pretty good about what they've got in their secondary. They still have plenty of talent on that front seven, even losing a couple of pieces. So yeah, I mean I'm fine. I I I like the idea that Philly said, all right, we gotta stop the bleeding a little bit. Let's let's make sure we bring somebody back. Yeah, and the other part is that it's not like you broke the bank to get him. This isn't you're not paying him anywhere near top corner money. You're not even giving him $15 million a year. He's baking at not even, I don't think top 20 corner money. And so at that price, this was a no brainer for Philly. And as you guys said, they had lost so many players yesterday. We had them on our losers list and Billy gave us all the silent treatment for that. Uh, and now <laughs> here we are. Uh, and, you know, we also know offensively the Eagles love their little running back by committee. Uh, so to get someone like Rashad Penny in there, if he can stay healthy, uh, and we we don't know if he can because he's been nothing but injured during his entire career. Uh, but when he's healthy, he's a beast. And so then you re-sign Boston Scott, and then you have, boom, Nick Sirianni just running back by committee. He loves it, and you got two good backs in there. I mean, I'm curious. I mean, we should include Kelsey, too. I, mean, I know that happened. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. It's old news now, but it's, still, I mean, it's a huge piece to get back. Yeah, we saw the numbers, too. And, like, if you think about – I mean, look, you're, you're, again, you're asking Rashad Penny to stay healthy, and that's not a you know guarantee, but, like – if he plays 15 games or 16 games, he can lead the league in rushing in that offense with Kelsey coming back and, and just his explosiveness and how and you know his style of running. So I, I like the end of adding Penny, but I mean, you definitely need that depth there because you see how much they utilize Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, you know, all these guys, and, and they've done it for years under different coaching staffs. Like if you're gonna go with Penny as your primary back, you need to make sure you have that depth there. So Boston Scott, a very nice addition as well. I see Billy fighting with people in the comments about whether or not the Eagles are uh, winners here with this one. And Brinson, you already alluded to it about the NFC East just being winners in general. And the Giants now have Darren Waller. Brady, what do you think of this trade? Uh, I'm a little confused what the Raiders are doing. Um, I know you're a big fan of the Jimmy G signing and it made all the sense in the world. Um, you'd think you want to keep Waller around. But now you look at the depth on the Raiders roster at the tight end position. I believe it was a Horstead. I believe Jesper Horstead out of Princeton. He's got like 13 catches in his career since 2019. Uh, and then the other one, uh, Cole Fotheringham, I believe is out of Utah. He was a rookie this past year. He was a free agent signing. He doesn't have any. And I'm not saying they're not potentially capable to develop into something, but uh, this may be a spot to where we're looking at the Raiders. Either they're patient more in free agency and signing maybe some, some veteran tight ends to bring in, or they look at that number seven spot and they say to themselves, we got Jimmy G. Maybe we feel good about where we're at. If the right quarterback doesn't drop to us, we trade back potentially take a, a tight end in the first round or just a couple tight ends in this year's draft. It is a good group of tight ends this year. There is some depth there. So that might be the thought process. But um, and the odd thing is they just signed Waller to an extension before the season, right? So now I'm going, all right, what what, what happened? Uh, he's one of the better pass-catching tight ends when healthy in the league. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a win for the Giants. They get him under contract for a while and another piece for Daniel Jones on a roster that could really use it. So Bit of a head scratcher uh, from the Raiders' perspective on that one, but completely get it for the Giants. Uh, good for Danny Dimes. The, the Raiders thing is really, it's like every, with the Raiders, it's like, I'm like, oh, great move. The Raiders got better. Then I'm like, eh, I like that move. Then I'm like, oh, the Raiders got better. Then I'm like, eh, I like that move. It's like, it's like they ended up in the exact same spot 
As and, and we have, you have to assume, I think that they're probably going to trade Hunter Renfro. I believe on the seventeenth, he has a bonus that becomes due. Um, you know, you add Jacoby Myers. Shout out NC State. Um, get rid of my cousin Hunter Renfro, my bald cousin Hunter Renfro. Um, and <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It seems like I mean, do we think that like Brady? Do you think that Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers can coexist in that same offense? I mean, it makes more sense if if obviously if Darren Waller is gone, but like. I, it feels like they're in the exact same spot, but with personnel that's just more familiar now. Uh, well, look, obviously Myers knows the system. That's a huge piece of this, but I, I view him more as this. So when I was in Denver, when I got traded for when Josh Downs was the head coach and calling plays at that point in time, you know, Brandon Lloyd played more of our X wide receiver, and that's more going to be Devontae Adams' position. Eddie Royal was our slot. But we had Jabbar Gaffney as kind of that move. It could be slot, could play outside, and do a variety of things. That's how I see Jacoby Myers fitting within the system. I think they'll move him around often. Um, he'll kind of be viewed more, obviously, as that that number two for the most part, besides situationally when they go to Hunter Renfro. But um, as far as what Josh McDaniels is looking for in the system – He's got all the pieces. I think the biggest thing that you're going to see in this you know, Raiders offense that's going to differ from what we saw last year with Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels is Jimmy G just does not throw the football down the field. Um, and you can look at it whatever way you want, but go look at 20-plus yard pass attempts and compare him to whoever you want in the NFL. <clears throat> He's not even inside the top 25. And I know he didn't play quite as much. You can even use attempt percentage, and you won't see him come anywhere close to Derek Carr. This offense would stretch the field. They take shots. That has never been Jimmy G's game. Um, and I'm curious to see how different it's going to look with Jimmy G spreading the football around, methodically working the football down the field, as opposed to trying to take maybe more chances from what we saw at Derek Carr under Josh McDaniels this past year. A few things, though. I mean, the one thing they don't have, though, is a tight end. And we know the McDaniels offense works better. His system works better when there are tight ends in it, whether it's Rob Gronkowski obviously in New England. And now the only tight end I think they have under contract right now is Jesper Horstead. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what you're going to do with old Jesper out there. Uh, be careful. He's a Princeton guy. Um, I, I don't want to bash any Princeton guys. And the other thing is that Prince or, uh, Brady alluded to the extension that was just signed in September. And then there were some speculation that Waller was on the trading block in October. The Packers actually offered the Raiders a second round pick for Waller. The Raiders shot him down, kept him, and now they're trading him for a third-round pick. And Brady's saying, why the heck did that happen? Well, Vic Tafer of The Athletic uh, pointed out on Twitter today that Waller was apparently upset with Josh oh, McDaniels yeah. for revealing that he was – so Darren Waller got married to Las Vegas Aces star Kelsey Plum yes. uh, mm -hmm. last week. And that was supposed to be on the down low kind of secret. Josh McDaniels accidentally leaked the news at the combine. Uh, and Ooh. according to the athletic Waller was very upset about this. Cause then the Las Vegas review journal kind of snooped in and was trying to get the details. Can you talk slower and go right back through that again. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, this is, so so here's, here's, here's your timeline. Yeah. Right. So, so the wedding was this past week at the combine so late february mcdaniel's got you know doing his uh coaching press conference uh leaked accidentally to the press that darren waller was getting married in the next few days uh and waller was very upset with this and uh you know as the athletic points out it might not be a coincidence that waller got mad at his mm. coach and now here he is getting traded less than a week later I, I, but his here's, wife here's, still plays for Vegas, so you wouldn't think that he would want to move across the country from his wife. This is true. 
It's a good but point. if you don't get along with your head coach, I mean, well, you know, yeah. let, let me say this much too, just about <clears throat> New England coaches. In my experience, I had a bunch of coaches who left from that Bill Belichick coaching tree. And, and one of the things that they're very keen on is, is the sense of culture within the locker room. And there's obviously like the, the three things that usually start fights and arguments. All right. It's money. There's technically four, I guess. Uh, politics, religion, and women. And that's just the reality of it. Like if there's an argument or fight, you can usually draw one of those four conclusions to how that thing got started. And there's, I don't, there's I don't, I don't think that's like just, uh, I don't think it's just limited to like the locker room. It's, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's life in general. It might be life in general for any corporation or any team. Right. Um, but I, what I'm saying is I think different coaches handle how they run that facility different. And there's some who are much more in tune with being open to that. And the players taking over ownership of their locker room and the different things that go on within the facility and they're much more welcoming to whatever that may be. Uh, and there's coaching staffs who are not. And they want to run a certain way. They don't want any distractions. And that kind of falls in line more with the New England way of things. And I know Josh McDaniels went back, said he's kind of renewed. I got a renewed sense of how he wants to, to do things his own way. But there's still a sense when you look at the structure of this organization, what they're still trying to emulate with what happened in New England. And so, look, I'm not trying to make more of this and directly correlate it. It was like, hey, Darren Waller's not a good fit for what we're looking for. But the truth of the matter is there could be some things that Waller didn't really like about the environment that Josh McDaniels is trying to create. And that that may have attributed to some of the discontent outside of the ruining the uh the, the the marriage announcement or whatever it was i also think too that if you look at what the raiders have done right mcdaniels comes in in year one and Dave, mcdaniels and Ziegler come in, in year one and people are calling for his head early in the season even though you know they had like a bunch of ugly losses that tw- they choked to the cardinals of that big lead at halftime they were losing a ton of games and people were like you gotta fire mcdaniels right now it's like mark davis ain't gonna be paying like gruden and mcdaniels and like a third coach like everybody take a breath like the, the team looks like they sink I think when you sort of take that as a whole and you, you do the review at the end of the season and probably Ziggler and, and McDaniels are like selling Mark Davis the fact that like, we need to really patriotify this place, you know? And so you're like, the, the problem isn't us. It's what we had before. And you see that with the turnover, they bring back Josh Jacobs. They should have used the fifth year option on him. Uh, I'm sure he's not happy about the franchise tag, but you get rid of Waller. There's a chance you get rid of Renfro. Um, you know, you're bringing in Jimmy G, you get rid of Derek Carr, you're bringing in Jacoby Myers, you're patriotifying this place. And if there was any heat on your seat, you're at least saying, all right, look, that was sort of year zero. And I don't know if it necessarily counts. And now we're going to start to sort of do what we're doing with our guys coming in. So I think maybe a little something like that where you're trying to buy a little bit of time. By the way, uh, what's McDaniel's record versus Bill Belichick? I know he beat him his first year when he was in Denver. He's like fist pumping. He's like, yeah, Bill, yeah. yeah but I'm saying they obviously <laughs> beat him this past year after Jacoby Myers, who might be QB2 now for the Raiders, with his pass to Chandler Jones for the go-ahead touchdown. I mean, is he 2-0? and Is that the only two appearances? Because he was fired, I believe, the following year before we had played New England. So yeah. that, that wouldn't have counted. That, that would have been on Eric Studisville's record, both of those New England matchups. How do you guys feel well, or how do you think? Yeah. So, yeah. How do you think Devontae Adams feels about all of this? He left Green Bay to go play with Derek Carr. Derek Carr left. Waller's now left. Now Rodgers is leaving. All of his friends are going over to the Jets. How do you feel like Devontae I mean, Adams? What is he thinking? 
I think he'll be fine. I mean, he knows he's the number one receiver. He's getting paid well. I'm, I'm more curious to get your thoughts on Jimmy G in Las Vegas. I mean, does he have a place I, in Henderson? Does he end yeah. up having one of the top suites at one of the nice like hotels? <laughs> we have obviously, a dating scene there that we've gotten a glimpse into the type of women that he's yeah. maybe into. Uh, I mean, Katie, that seems to fit right into the wheelhouse of what he's looking for there in Las Vegas. Well, look, I think it's a great deal for Jimmy G. I mean, he's going back with a coach that he knows, and they're bringing some pieces that he's familiar with. I, I do think that they have some good offensive weapons there. Maybe specifically the Las Vegas like scene. Like, and Las Vegas specifically. The scene, this, look, not certain the things are legal in Las Vegas that aren't legal other places. So I hear what you're saying, Brady, in terms of the so like shooting an Uzi. I believe you can shoot an Uzi in Las Vegas. While okay. while while out of while out of your mind on gummies and hanging out with prostitutes. Like that's totally legal. That's legal in Las Vegas. That's like Brenton's normal Vegas weekend. Right. I mean, that's that's a that's every there's a 40% chance he gets fired after the yeah. Super Bowl since that's in Vegas next year. <laughs> well, there's like a there's like a 40% chance that they're like, you're not going to the Super Bowl, guy. Katie, are you upset that he's not back at the San Francisco 49ers? Yes, I am upset that he's not back. In the, well, I knew that he was not coming back, and I'm all in on Brock Purdy. I know that you're not big on him yet, Brady, and we'll see. You're not, in, you're not in on Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold might mess around and be a Pro Bowl quarterback next year in Cal Shanahan's system. That's what everybody seems to think. I Look, I, Sam Darnold, I've seen a lot of him, and I know a lot of it has to do with the coaches that he's had, and Shanahan does make every quarterback seem amazing. So we'll see, but I think it's going to be Brock Purdy. Obviously, you got to give the job to Trey Lance out the gates, but I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Purdy beats him at some point in the season and ends up being the quarterback. And yeah, we'll see what Sam Darnold can do. He did go on a podcast earlier talking about the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan as a place that he would want to go. So it's very, I guess, fitting that he ended up there. But I think Jimmy is going to be fine. And Brady, you alluded to it too, that Jimmy can't throw the ball down the field. And I would agree with you, but I think a lot of that has to do with the play calling as well. Kyle Shanahan wouldn't let him throw the ball. And he started to a little bit there towards the end. And then, of course, Jimmy got injured again. So uh, we'll have to see. Here's the only thing that debunks that is when Brock Purdy took over, Brock Purdy had a much more substantial attempt, you know, percentage throwing over 20 yards downfield. He's a rookie. So if you're if you're thinking that you want to like maybe limit some of that and take less chances, that would probably be the consensus. But that was not the case. But, but I mean, also you're talking about like Jimmy G and like like in a Josh McDaniel system. It does make a lot of sense to like dink and dunk and all that. And by the way, like I think there may be a little bit of like you know you you dated somebody in college, whether it's a girlfriend or you know whether you're you know, regardless of the sex, like you you know, dated somebody in college. You're like, <laughs> like, like I'm saying, Derek, I'm I'm saying like I'm not I'm not limiting to your girlfriend from college. It could be a girl who's okay. boyfriend from college. Where are and, we going? Yes. Derek Carr and Devon Adams are like, oh, it's going to be just like college. And they got together like, oh, <laughs> we are not in college anymore. <sighs> oh, Devon Adams is like, oh, <laughs> so you're going to be here for another three years, huh? That's, uh, that's, a, that's a thing. By the way, can we take a, a poll? Where's your spot to stay when you go to Las Vegas? Uh, the win. I think uh, the wind's a great call. Uh, Caesars, maybe I don't know. Oh, breach. Oh, uh, yeah, probably Caesars. <laughs> Why do you say this so reluctantly? Like you're depressed. You're well, no, I think about it. No, I love it. It's, a, it's in a great spot. It, it's in a great spot. Why is Bellagio like, like near and dear to my heart? I feel like the Bellagio is just like it's classic. It's been through yeah. everything and the fountain and all that. Like I just something about the Bellagio. But I agree, the wind's great. Wind's great. Uh, the tr- I was, this is a long time ago. And I went. I was going out. With, me and my parents and my brother were rafting the Grand Canyon, and we had to stay in Las Vegas wow. for. Uh, 
yes it's it's it was, it was like glam rafting don't 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 look at us like yeah you know, we were anyway point being is um i was flying i've been up in cleveland for actually when i played basketball with lebron and um so i didn't want to fly all the way back to north carolina and fly out to vegas with them so i flew out a day early because i just had a day in between and i was like they're like yeah you, that's fine but you gotta find your own hotel and so i was like all right, i'll get something cheap i got like the tropicana and i get there and i get there like 10 o'clock at night like i was gonna i'll play some blackjack go to bed and they're like congratulations sir we've upgraded you to the honeymoon suite i was like i don't want the honeymoon suite i'm by myself in Las Vegas. uh it was it was it was terrible don't take a black light in that room no i was like i got in there i was like ah, you know what could you downgrade me to like the worst room you have I'm like this is i'd actually prefer to be in the filthiest like the, actually sir that is the filthiest room but it, but it makes all the sense in the world right because anyone who goes in the tropicana they're probably like oh, i don't want to stay in the dirt like the lowest cheapest room right please upgrade me at the Tropicana. So yeah. like that room probably gets no one in it ever because right. no one actually wants to stay in that room. It's like a wooden heart-shaped bed. I was like, what, what is happening here? Like, Why am I in this room? What is going that on? That should be your uh, next year's Valentine's so Day card. Go. You're making little candies. Yeah, you Let's should just go, go back to it. Vegas and Anywho. stay there. Okay, guys, we're going to have to take a quick break here, <laughs> here. But before we do, it's bracket time. So get yours now on the CVS Sports app. You can play in the men's and women's pools with friends and join our challenges for a chance to win a new car and trips to the 2024 Final Four. Get the CBS Sports app or visit cbssports.com slash play to start filling out your brackets. No purchase necessary. See terms and rules for details. You're watching the Pick 6 Podcast. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Pod. Here with Will Brinson, Brady Quinn, and John Breach. Hopefully that commercial got the uh, visual of Wilson, or excuse me, Brinson. I've done it again. I called you Brian the first time. Hi. I Hi. need it's some okay. sleep. It's okay. It's okay, Kelly. What would you, what would you name him? <laughs> 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 we have a running gag where we, we, we do that. Um, if you had to, if you had to, yeah. if you had to call Brady and Breach by the wrong names, what would you? What would be their? Like, if, if you, if I'm Brian and you're Kelly, yeah. Uh, well, Brady and you're also be, Wilson. Wilson. Oh, that's a good one. 
Bobby for Brady mm-hmm. and um, Bobby. I don't know. Bobby. Uh, uh, we just call you the wrong no, name. I don't, the, the the problem is with when you screw up someone's name, it just happens. You can't you can't think of it beforehand. Yeah, you can't fake uh, that, Brinson. Breach could be a Steve. Uh, I, I, was, oh my, I was just going to say, Breach looks like a Steve. I, 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 no, my name. He's like, he's not Steve. It makes sense no, phonetically. Like a Steve. She went from Brinton to Brian. But see, that your brain can mess that up. You can't go from Breach to Steve. Well, no, you just, you're given the wrong name at birth. Like, you should have yeah. been Steve. Like, you look like a Steve. One half of this podcast. Brady looks like a Chad. Steve, so I don't know what to tell you. Chad? Oh, Chad. oh no! I'm the, I'm, I'm the d bag villain, like in any high school movie. <laughs> Chad, thanks for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're like, like Brady, uh, actually, ooh, you could be. Nobody likes Chad. You could be like the ski school, like the like the like this like the ski school like instructor who's like, you want to race for this mountain? It's like, like I could take down Chad. It's like, no, dude, you can't race Chad. <laughs> like I can see that. <laughs> And you wear like you wear like a black leather like it's like a like leather ski jacket. You roll up your yeah head. This yeah. Is, hey Malone, this is how we handle this mountain, okay? Oh, right, I'm well, not gonna well, say that. But oh god. Well, Chad and uh, Steve and Brian and Kelly here. If you guys are confused, I am as well. Clearly today, I'm already losing on the name game. But let's talk about some losers. For day two of free agency, I feel like we've talked about the Raiders already at length. Uh, how about the Ravens? I'm, I'm going to say that they're not a loser, but I, I feel like the way this has worked out for Lamar Jackson, I don't think it's working out in his favor. And him admitting there was a report, kind of conflicting reports between Schefter saying he turned down what could have potentially been a $200 million deal with some potential uh, bonuses or escalators within the contract. And Lamar basically saying that he turned down a three-year, $133 million fully guaranteed deal. Yes, It's just, it feels like a bad look. And I know he was trying to kind of flex on people saying like, hey, I don't need an agent. And Breach, you said this last week, I believe, when we talked about it. You're like, hey, if you want a fully guaranteed contract, I don't need an agent because I can just get a fully guaranteed deal. Here's the truth of the matter, though. That deal would have netted you $44.3 million. That's more than you're going to make this year than the non-exclusive tag. And that might be more than anyone's willing to fully guarantee you, given you haven't finished the season the past two years healthy. And since your MVP season, the passing stats haven't been as impressive as that year. So I don't know these developing the way teams would hope you would. And I know there's been a conversation about not having enough around him. And maybe with the change in you know offensive play caller, now with Todd Monk in there, you know, that changes this season. But I kind of look at it and just go – if you're Lamar Jackson, like none of this has worked out the way you'd hoped. I mean, at a minimum, you'd have been like, all right, if they gave me the exclusive franchise tag, at least I get paid a little bit more in a one-year deal than what at least they offered me and I apparently turned down uh, earlier this year. I, I think, too, like one of the things that gets lost a lot, this is agent's fault. This is the fault of the agents. This is the fault of the teams. It's the fault of the media members. It's the fault of fans. Like everyone is at blame for this. And fan, I don't want to blame fans for it, but like we get these contracts. The wide receiver contracts are the best example. People are like, here, DeAndre Hopkins is the highest paid wide receiver in football. It's like, and then Tyree Kill gets his contract. Devontae Adams gets his contract. And you actually dive into these things. You're like, I mean, like these guys are, are, like just wanted to be, they just wanted to be the highest average annual value, regardless of how much guaranteed money is in there. And so Lamar's, when you look at the quarterback contracts, um, you know, in terms of total guaranteed money, 133 would slot him in as the seventh most guaranteed money in the NFL behind uh, Mahomes, Allen, Rogers, Murray, Wilson, and Watson. But those guys wouldn't be taking three-year deals. They have longer contracts. The Watson thing is going to be an outlier. So if well, you, 
can I dispute this for one one thing? It would technically be the second most at signing, which to me is way more important. Well, that, that's, that's, as a player, I don't care about injury-only guarantees, which is what a lot of those total guarantees amount to in the back end, especially at his position, because you know that sort of thing. Like it, it may come in hand for him if he can't pass the physical start of the new league year, but it, it's not that bad of a deal when you really break down the total guarantees at signing. No, no, that's that's sort of what I was saying. Is like you like you hear, and again, I think Watson is the outlier because Jimmy has him messed up, and the Browns are you know, the Browns ticked everybody off. But you see Russell Wilson total quote-unquote, total guaranteed 165. Except if you sort, as you point out, Brady, by fully guaranteed, it would be the second most fully guaranteed money of any quarterback contract in the NFL behind only Watson. That would mean, and it's on a three-year deal. Like, if you could get three years, 133, fully guaranteed, with no cut from your agent, the only reason you need the agent is so he tells you to take the deal. Like, that's a, that's a contract he should have taken if he could get, because... And again, I now, I mean, you could argue like, should you just play out the franchise tag twice and then hit the market? Maybe, but you do run the risk of injury. $133 million. You are going to set up, your your life's going to be pretty good for the rest of your life if you get $133 million. Uh, and taking the franchise tag twice would only give him an average of $35 million per year. You'd get 32.4 this year and uh, almost 39 next year. So it's not even close to 133, three years fully guaranteed. And I, I mean, that's why the Ravens are the loser here. Look, last week we had their wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, going out on Twitter and just calling out his general manager saying, what the heck is wrong with you? Why are you throwing the wide receivers under the bus? Now you have Lamar Jackson airing out the dirty laundry in public saying, ha ha, you guys have no idea what's going on in negotiations. Uh, and it, it just makes everybody look bad. So it is a weird look. I don't know if Lamar Jackson, if this is the flex he thinks it is. I don't know if the Ravens look good. Nobody in that organization looks good right now. I mean, agreed. I mean, it's it's like, it, it feels like at this point, if Lamar doesn't want to take the 133 and three, if that, I mean, if, if he's saying that he had that offered to him and we heard what Schefter said, I mean, I mean, don't we, I mean, don't we have to take it at its face that Lamar had that on the table? If he's admitting it, yeah, I, I think it makes sense uh, to, for that to be the case. I, I guess my thing is, like, I, I think if you turn that down, there's a reason why you need an agent then. But, look, we're going to find out. I mean, right now we have the opportunity now to see if anyone puts in an offer sheet and offers them more than what the Baltimore Ravens have. And if not, he can go back and play under the non-exclusive you know, franchise tag for this season and maybe have, go back with his tail between his legs. But the truth of the matter is you already had a number of teams that need a quarterback say they're not willing to be – you know, in on the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. And I don't agree with it. I think Atlanta's nuts. I mean, it's no disrespect to Taylor Heineke. I think he can do a fine job there with Desmond Ritter and however that works out. But neither of them are anywhere close to Lamar Jackson. So I can't make sense of why some of those organizations don't want to be a part of that outside of maybe they, they're going to draft one or they feel like they're they're better suited to go with what they've got. But the truth of the matter is, like, I don't know who else is going to be a, a potential bidder for Lamar Jackson's services, that's going to equate to anything more than what the Baltimore Ravens have already offered him. The, the only the only possible team, I think, I'll quick on this, is is the Washington football team or the Commanders or the Commandos, the C Commodores, whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> if, yeah, the Commodores. We call them the Commanders. <laughs> losing Brenton? I think he muted, muted yeah, himself. You're on mute. He muted himself. Yeah. Well, that's embarrassing. You muted He's himself. Off it, so. hey, he's back. There you go. You too. Um, Britson, your microphone's not working. You're picking up your computer. Yeah. 
Look at him. Look how frustrated. Now he's gone. Well, yeah, he's so he was going to mention the Commanders as another possible team. And I'll throw out a wild card is actually who I think is a loser today. And that's the Indianapolis Colts. They are out mm. there just clearing all this money. They cut Matt Ryan. They gave away Stephon Gilmore for pennies on the dollar. No one has any idea what they're doing because you don't know who's in charge. Yes, you have a general manager in place, but Jim say uh, has final say. And it's good if he decides, hey, I want Lamar Jackson, they'll go out and try and get Lamar Jackson. But I do think the one part that would hold them back, I, I don't actually think they'll do that, but they've had a, a rough free agency so far. When you're best signing through the first 48 hours, is overpaying a kicker and, and Matt Gay is awesome. I'm not sure he needed uh 5.625 million or whatever it was, but that's the highlight of your free agency if you're the Colts so far. Um and and look, maybe Lamar would work with the Colts. You know, you have Shane Steichen there. He did a lot of good stuff with Jalen Hurts. You can run a very similar system. Uh, and the other part is that it would give you, you're the fourth overall pick. You're not in a good spot now because there's two teams in front of you that are looking to draft quarterbacks in the Panthers and Texans. So now you're getting a third best quarterback and, uh, unless you trade up, which you're going to have to give something away to trade up. So why not just trade for Lamar Jackson and then trade back from fourth to like 10th so that the Ravens don't get the fourth overall pick. Just <laughs> all this crazy well, stuff. A lot of gymnastics going on there, Breach. Uh, I want to throw in a couple others. The Falcons, obviously, uh, is Breach back? I hear his voice. Um, I want to throw in the Falcons. You know, look, the, the Heineke uh, signing is fine, but the reality is they're drafted in the top 10. They could take a, a quarterback. Um, I talked about them not being on the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, which seems a bit odd. Um, and, and they haven't been too active at this point. I, I would think that Arthur Smith is maybe in the hot seat if things don't go well this year. They were competitive last year for a 7-10 football team. That was also a conference that had an 8-9 and nine division winner. I don't think that's going to be the case with Derek Carr for the Saints this year as they look to be the favorite and in a division that could have a number of rookie quarterbacks or at least inexperienced quarterbacks. So now uh, the saints could potentially run away with it. Uh, and especially considering the rework contract of Michael Thomas, who seems much happier now in a one-year deal when you're proven with the saints to go with Chris Olave. Another team is the, the Rams. And, and look, I realize look they won a super bowl. They put themselves in this yeah. position because the whole F them picks and all that. Uh, but we should also acknowledge, like, this is what happens. You know, when when you can't build your roster through the draft and supplement in with draft picks, like, you're going to have these lulls. You're going to have these really tough periods of time where, you know, you're not able to sign the top players and you're unable to make some of those quick fixes like this roster probably needs. So uh, the Rams are another team that I think right now when you lose arguably one of your best players in Jalen Ramsey, in a trade just so you can help clear up some cap space, get your books right and, and get some draft capital. It's kind of seems a bit hypocritical considering like once you're just, you know, saying F them picks like a year or two ago and now what yep. is that, is that going to change now moving forward? I'm about talking about, so I mean, like, oh, Brady was talking about potential uh, candidates for that. Maybe you should think about going after Lamar Jackson, which you were talking about before you dipped down on us and didn't finish your thought. I had some, some I'm just kidding. Everything broke. So you said the commanders, we named a couple other teams, but why don't you yeah, tell I mean, us? I just think it's like the guy's a former MVP and you can get him for like, if you wouldn't offered him a four year fully guaranteed contract, he's probably taking it. I mean, you're getting like, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like to me, this feels like given if you're Lamar Jackson and you hear this Adam Schefter podcast, which gets, you know, put out on a bunch of, you know, it gets aggregated on a bunch of blogs, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think you you hear that and you're like, this is the Ravens leaking this out to make me look bad. And then Lamar's tweeting out the contract. And so it's like, it, it feels like, and geographically it sets up nicely too, that we are getting closer and closer to the Kirk Cousins uh, style situation. What did, um, what was it that, uh, what's his name? 
the old GM who's ousted, uh, Bruce Allen. Remember Bruce Allen did that interview? He's like, you know, it's like, uh, we've been talking to Kurt's people. It's like, you called him Kurt? Kurt. He's, been, he's been on your roster for five years. Yeah. You know, his name's not Kurt. You're just being a D. Like, yeah. you're purposely being an a-hole, like, to, like, to insult him. I don't think we'll get there with the Ravens, but, you know, the, I mean, just the circumstances involved here, I, I really think that we're probably closer and closer to him playing out two franchise tags and then just tr- hitting free agency and seeing what happens. I feel like Bruce Allen kind of talks with the accent of like Kirk Russell, which for a while, like when you hear Kirk Russell talk, like you would have thought, oh, is he saying Kurt or Kirk? Yeah. But either way, like he, like Bruce Allen and Kirk Russell sound kind of similar. Well, when you brush your teeth with Coors Light, sometimes it's difficult to like. <laughs> um, would you know about that, Brinson? Oh, yeah. It's, it's good. It kills a lot of germs. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so All right guys, we're going to take a yeah. quick break here, but we'll be right back uh, and we'll talk about some underrated pickups. Get breaking news. Big news coming out of the NFL today. Highlights and instant reactions. The largest final round comeback in four championship history. We're down to the final four. I just want to take time to analyze greatness. Talk winners and losers with a guy who's already a big winner. CBS Sports HQ. It's all sports all day long. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Katie Box here with Will Brinson, Brady Quinn, and John Breach. Got all the names right that time. This is day two of the 2023 Free Agency Show. Make sure that you join us all week long to keep up to date with free agent signings. And remember to like, comment, subscribe on our YouTube page. All right, guys. Now we're going to talk about some underrated pickups. Any that are jumping out to you? It's kind of hard at this point in time, right, guys? I mean, a lot of these guys are bigger names um, or at least more reputable. I mean, it's typically how it works, right? The, the top 2% are all getting sought after and and signed right now if they do become free agents. Um, and so it's hard to pick necessarily maybe an underrated one at this point, but maybe a week from now and give us a little more time. But um, I, I guess I'll, I'll say this is underrated in my opinion. The Chiefs allow Orlando Brown to move on into free agency. They signed Juwan Taylor, who's a year younger. I thought I had a great season for him this year. And if you'll recall, like the one thing that kind of held back the Chiefs before this last Super Bowl when they lost, uh, was the fact that they couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes. So being able to at least sure up one side of the offensive line uh, with a young, talented player in Juwan Taylor, I thought was a good get. And obviously, um, they were paying what Orlando Brown like sixteen point six million for Taylor. It's like I, I think the average annual value is twenty which leads you to think that Orlando Brown wanted a lot more than that. So if that's the case, they, they probably got a comparable player for a good deal and the ability now to protect Patrick Mahomes, at least on one side. I know Andrew Wiley's still a, a free agent, and they need to figure out a, a response or answer for that right tackle spot as well. Did, did Wiley, Wiley side with Washington, right? 
I think yes. so. Yeah. So like he's gone. Um, have they had the Chiefs said if they're going to play because Taylor played the right side uh, for played the right side in Jacksonville, but also Orlando Brown did too. When you think about Baltimore to yeah. Kansas City, so it's not like they're going to have an issue helping him with that transition if they put him there. I mean, they could try to go find another left tackle in the draft, but if it was me, I'd see if Jawan Taylor's healthy enough and comfortable enough to go over to the left side, take over the left tackle spot, and then from there. You see if you know you can't maybe work in a rookie or, or a lesser piece of the right tackle spot. As a right-handed quarterback, you'd much rather the pressure be coming from you know your front side as, as opposed to your blind side if you've got an issue with one of the two. Well, and one thing there is that there's not going to be a huge learning curve for Juwan Taylor because Doug Peterson runs a similar offense, obviously, having worked under Andy Reid. So I, I do think that he'll fit in pretty quickly. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting, too, that you know, we've seen the Chiefs in free agency. They went out and did this with Joe Tooney. Um, you know, they went and did it with Orlando Brown to a degree, but it wasn't a full big contract. They've had a lot of success being aggressive in free agency with big contracts on offensive linemen. And you sort of wonder, let's say they see Jawan Taylor and they think, man, this guy can really play. We feel like in our system, he would really develop into like an elite player on the left side. Let's go out and sign him in free agency for 20 million a year, average annual value, which would put him uh, in terms of and, and playing on the left side behind, you know, ahead of Ronnie Stanley, behind Trent Williams, Bakhtiari and, Tun- and Tunsil. Um, but you know, like he's not break, he's not resetting the market. Uh, you know, if he's the highest paid right tackle, if that's where they play him, my point being is like, I sort of wonder if they won't consider playing on the left side. And as you point out, Brady drafts somebody, Wiley, you know, Wiley's a young guy on his rookie contract. You know, you, you, you bring him in, you bring a, you you draft somebody, put them on the right side and you feel like you can, based on how you've operated the last few years, really short those tackle positions. I mean, they've, they've nailed the offensive line outside of that one you know, disastrous Super Bowl, just in terms of free agency. I mean, well, that, that was somewhat due to injury too, but they've, they've, they've nailed a lot of positions, by the way. I mean, yeah. no team was more impacted by the rookies this past year than the Chiefs, and they obviously won the Super Bowl. I, I think the thing I'd, I'd point out too is if you're going to spend money in free agency to bring in known commodities of what they can do, the offensive line is by far and away to me the best money spent. And reason being is, you know, it's just it's hard to find offensive linemen nowadays who are developed to the point where, well, you know, you know they can play. I mean, you can try to go with the draft pick, and there's obviously a handful of guys that you feel pretty comfortable about coming in right away and playing and being able to get the job done. But it's it's a different game, and it's it's tough to adapt to that level. Not only the speed of the game, the variety of pass moves that you see, the variety of, of stunts and fronts and uh, blitzes and pressures and everything else that goes along with it. Uh, it's a lot for a lot of offensive linemen that transition to the NFL, and especially all the required to do within the pass protection schemes and run blocking schemes. A lot of times it's a lot more complicated. So that being said, if you're in that spot like the Chiefs have done, you go spend on a free agent offensive line that you know can come in. He's a pro. He's going to adapt and breach. Great point. I mean, the scheme fit to me is, is a huge thing too, especially if you're you're dealing with changing which step you're kicking with and which you know w- which arm is going to be your strong arm kind of as, as you punch and all that and some of your pass sets at the left tackle spot versus the right tackle spot. Also, only twenty six. So you're you're getting him through the age thirty, which is twenty six or twenty five. I, I think he's a year younger than Orlando Brown, right? Uh, uh, over the cap at twenty six, but he could certainly be like about to be. Did he just have a birthday? He that'd be one hell of a way of celebrating it. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> what would you do if you? What would you do if you signed an eighty million dollar contract right before your birthday? He is twenty five. Uh, there you go. I thought it was 25 because I looked this up um, real quick. I have to ask uh, this question before we, uh, we, we get off the podcast at some point. Cause I know we're wrapping up here. Does a hole in one on a par three course count? Sorry, JJ Watt. It does not. I agree. <laughs> like that is, that does not work breach. 
Uh, I think it's if it's over 150 yards, it counts. What? That would be my cut. That, that's a par three hole in one. If you got, if you hit a hole in one, a par three, you would be celebrating. Uh, so yes, uh, but over 150 yards. No, no. If here, here, and here's how you know it doesn't count. If somebody asks you, talk about talk about golf, and somebody says, "Have you ever had a hole in one?" You say yes, comma, but. Like you don't say, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was playing, and they're like, "What? What course was it?" You're like, "Oh, uh, oh, yeah." I I couldn't even turn in my scorecard to register it because you know, yeah, like it's a great achievement. I would celebrate. Here's the other thing: how do we know it's real? Like, how do we know his parents were with him? All right. Oh yeah, buddy, great (laughs) shot. Yeah, we saw it go in too. Did you? Did you? Did you actually see it go in the hole? I'm just saying. Maybe there's a little bit of you know a lack of legitimacy here. You know, maybe someone was like, "Hey, it's JJ Watt up there. Go ahead and roll that thing in there. Make sure it gets in the hole for him." Uh, it's not like Donald Trump doesn't have that sort of treatment done by the Secret whoa, Service. Whoa, whoa, no, you better be careful. You better be careful. <laughs> Here's what I'll say though: um, a week ago, the the irony to this, and my buddy got a hole in one at putt putt. No, at a par three course. I said this to my buddy. I said, "Hey, if one of us gets a hole in one today, does it count?" And we were having a conversation the first team. We're like, yeah, it really doesn't for exactly what Will said, because there's going to have to be that disclaimer of, but it was on a par three course. I kid you not. I hit a shot. It was, it was over 150. I think it was like 156 breach. It hits back behind the pin, spins back, hits the pin and then bounces out. And I had no reaction because we had already been through this. And I was like, even if it went in, I would have been like, eh, I can't even talk about this with anyone. And I can't register the score as it is. So Thank God, because it was actually a busy day at the clubhouse, and I am way too big of a cheap ass. And then guess who brought up this subject just so he could tell this story because he's proud of his almost hole-in-one, Brady Quinn, so it counts. No, Uh, I got a lot of action, though, all right? On my balls, a lot of action. (laughs) Cliff and save that, please. That could go in the soundboard. Uh, but, um, say there's a lot of action on these balls man like for the way they so I, had, I had one i'm not proud to share this because like the the reason why it was almost disastrous a disastrous hole in mm-hmm. one is because i got a little we were uh playing in, in georgia and like a dude's trip and it was like we're on it's like an island green it's like this party lake we had some cocktails throughout the day obviously uh some you know some toughies um i was a little loose i wasn't playing very well so i was like f it whatever I actually like like somebody was like there's like you know, there's a lot of chatter out there. There's like a boat flying by fast. I still go whiffed my ball, and I'm like, oh my god, welcome to hell. And I just stand up immediately and fire again. And this thing is tracking aggressively at the pin and rolls two inches past the pin. Do you know how, what kind of fresh hell you're in if you have to? You're like, well, do you have a hole in one? No, but I have the world's worst birdie. Like you, like you flip it and then you, then you ace it out. Like you're like, it's, it's the worst thing in the world. And it was before the Zach Johnson rule change. Which, yeah. so. The last I thing I'll say. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a golfer though. So you say it's not a hole in one because it's on a par three course, but if it's just a par three hole, it is a hole in one. Right. So yeah, like, yeah, the difference is you have nine holes or however many holes in the par three course. To to hit, yeah. Every single time you're basically hitting into a green with a chance yeah. of getting a hole in one. So at least. It feels a little, feels a little like, eh. All right. Ask. Well, using that logic, how many hole in ones have you made on a par three in your life, Brady? A zero. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's I was still difficult. No, it's a hundred percent difficult. But what I, what I'm trying to like make sure you realize, if I ever play that par three course again and do hit a hole in one, I will not celebrate. Nor will I buy anyone a beer or alcoholic beverage because of that. Because I'll say it doesn't really count. So unless it happens on a real course. I don't have to shell out a bunch of money for all the people. A lot of people I don't know at some golf course. We're like hemorrhaging. Right. 
yours, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. On that note, I think we shall wrap this up. This has been the Pick 6 Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Remember to join us tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. for more NFL free agency coverage. And like, comment, subscribe on our YouTube page. And for everyone listening to the audio-only version. Virgin. Oh, gosh. Here we go. <laughs> It's all right. We already talked about my ball. Download, follow, and leave a five-star review. All right. I haven't even had wine. I'm not even on the wine train with you guys, and I'm already off the rails. What an incredible! What an incredible like final two minutes of the podcast. (laughs) We're talking. I didn't get get to my Tamagotchi story. We got my kids Tamagotchis. My wife keeps feeding them. I'm like, like they're little machines. Like, yeah, the kids take care of them.